Shape. I'm Bill DeVille. Welcome to the all-new Music Heads, music news for music lovers. In this installment, we'll chat with the North Carolina band Mount Mariah about what they've been listening to in our guest list feature. Jim McGuinn will chat about Matthew Sweet's Girlfriend album in our Essential segment. Co-music director Melanie Walker pays us a visit to chat about Little Dragon and the next big thing. And we'll talk about the recent album from the British band The Vaccines in this week's music meeting. We'll also have a sneak peek of a new track from Beirut, the band Beirut. But now, it's time for the Music Cast. This is Music Head's music news for music lovers. Time now for the Music Cast with the morning show co-host Jill Riley. Hi, Jill. Hey, Bill. Uh, we'll start with a story that uh, kind of makes me slap my forehead, and that I could like throw out a bunch of puns to, but sure. I won't. I'll just keep it to the. I'll keep it to the facts. A uh, big boy of Outcast was arrested last Sunday in Miami for three counts of possession of a controlled substance and one count of possession of drug paraphernalia. But wait till you get a load of like the list of the drugs he had on him. Sources state that custom and Border Patrol dogs found ecstasy pills, hmm. MDMA powder. Not quite sure what that is. I'm not like totally up on my <laughs> on my drugs, I guess. <laughs> uh, but he also had Viagra. So ecstasy and Viagra. Uh, and he, he was leaving a cruise ship. <laughs> Whoa. So I guess there was a little uh, party in Big Boy's room, um, but Big Boy was held on $16,000 bond. He was later released. He soon after tweeted, fresh out, baby. So like fresh out of jail, fresh out of ecstasy. 36 years of age, isn't he a little young for the Viagra? Um, I I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, you know, it didn't last over four hours when you read the fine print and you're supposed to go to the emergency room. Well, I hope he enjoyed himself on the cruise. Uh, Yeah, I guess. I I would assume that he did. Sure. Uh, Now party people in the club, it's time to cut a rug. And throw the loose up in the sky just for the shutter buzz. I'm double fisted and you empty, you can grab a club. Boy, stop, I'm just playing, let me dab you up. Craig Finn, the front man for the Hold Steady. This has nothing to do with Viagra. Mm-hmm. Craig Finn, the front man for the Hold Steady, recently headed down to Austin, Texas to record a possible solo album. So this is exciting news. Um, he hasn't quite decided whether he'll put it out under his own name or maybe uh, some kind of... Um, band name or moniker. Finn laid down the Americana-style tracks with producer Mike McCarthy. If you don't know that name, he's worked with Spoon and You Will Know Us by The Trail of Dead, uh, Phosphorescent, White Denim, Heartless Bastards. The list kind of goes on and on uh, there, but they uh, laid it down like a five-day session, and Craig Finn hopes to release the album early next year. You know, I wonder, Jill, if he's going to use some of those songs he recorded at the Fitzgerald Theater. Yeah, those because were killer, very those killer were, I mean, that was a really, this is why this is so exciting, because, yeah. I mean, that was a pretty cool preview, yeah, or a he, taste of what he's been working on. And he was playing with Chan Poling and John Munson and uh, Steve Rome from the New Standards. He even had a, chel- or a, a vibraphone. No, that's right. Yeah, so that'd be cool if he uh, uses some of those songs. So we're looking forward to hearing some of that new material from mm-hmm. Craig Finn, or whatever name he decides to sure. use. We had some Uh, there's a brand new collection of recordings and songs by Hank Williams and, and covered by other people that's uh, due to come out soon. The Lost Notebooks of Hank Williams, which is coming out October 3rd, brings together um, a host of never-before-heard songs from Hank Williams, who died in 1953 at the age of 29. So the 12 songs on the album are based upon uh, some notes that uh, Hank Williams had put down, which were found after his death in that famous leather briefcase. Right. Those unfinished lyrics and ideas now 
now have been turned into some full songs by a pretty stellar cast of artists. Jack White. That's pretty I awesome. love when Jack White is on a project. Mm-hmm. Bob Dylan. Um, also, Jacob Dylan. Now, they don't perform together, but they're on the same record, so that's pretty cool. Right. Uh, Nora Jones, Cheryl Crow, Lucinda Williams. The album was uh, originally conceived as a Dylan solo project, uh, according to Rolling Stone, but Bob Dylan only sings one song on the collection, and that's called The Love That Faded. And you can see the entire track list and guests at our website. Just go to thecurrent.org slash musicheads. So I was at the Wanda Jackson show over the weekend, and I, and I was- uh, Oh, talk- at the Minnesota Zoo, yeah. At the yeah. Minnesota Zoo, and I was talking to Wendell her husband who also manages her. He's about 75 years old and he was speaking so highly of Jack White and saying how down to earth Mr. White is. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Jack had produced that uh, last album. Right. And uh, he also worked with Loretta Lynn. So Mm -hmm. he's got his hands on a lot of different projects all at once. He appreciates the history of of music. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, So uh, the fact that he's on board with this project makes me really want to listen to it. Came in last night at half past ten. That baby of mine wouldn't let me in. So move it on over. Move it on over. Move it on over. Move it on over. Uh, Roots rock heavy hitters Band of Horses were on tour with Kings of Leon, but then that tour got canceled. We talked about that last week, Bill. There was some... uh some weird stuff going on in the band with More Kings of Leon. More problems not enough Gatorade. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, but Band of Horses were on tour, but the show, well, they want the show to go on, you know, for at least them. So Band of Horses put together some last-minute club shows in the U.S. to make up for the canceled dates. And they're also asking fans to help them craft the set lists for the new shows on their Facebook page. So you just go to Facebook and you can look for Band of Horses. And for more info, uh, you can just go to our webpage. Again, thecurrent.org slash musicheads. Gonna take a trip to Laredo Gonna take a dip in the lake Oh, I'm at a crossroads with myself I don't got no one else Well, the word is Lady Gaga is being lined up to play Amy Winehouse in a Hollywood biopic. A recent report says Lady Gaga worshipped Amy and would love nothing more than to transform herself into her idol on the big screen. She'd be spot on performing Amy's songs and has got the right look and the right attitude. Lady Gaga apparently has been itching to make the transition from music into movies and sees this as the ideal role to launch her film career. Uh, Gaga's management team had been discussing some possible film ventures before Amy Winehouse's death, but um, there's only ever been one role she wants to play, and that's to play Amy. So Lady Gaga paid tribute to the singer earlier this week, revealing that she was unable to speak for 48 hours after hearing of Winehouse's death. I guess I haven't really thought about it much, um, considering, I mean, she's only been dead for a couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah, it's like, too who early would, for biopic who, talk. Yeah, who too would early. play Amy Winehouse? Well, I don't know. I mean, like, Lady Gaga probably would be a good candidate, sure. but I haven't really put much thought to who else could handle a role like that. To me, even to put a film like that together, you got to wait five years. Well, it's just really soon. Yes, I think yes, it's just yes, too yes. soon. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll call it too soon. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for dropping by, Joe. All right. Thank you, Bill. Here's what's selling locally, according to Billboard. At number one this week is Eric Church 
Adele sits at number two, still doing big business with that 21 album. Death Still Good for Business is uh, Amy Winehouse at number three. Kids Bop Kids, number four. Kelly Rowland at five. Jason Aldean, Blake Shelton, Joss Stone's new LP One sits at number eight. And number nine is uh, Hell the Sequel, Bad Meets Evil. Bodine's number 10 this week with the new Indigo Dreams album. Boney Vare at 12. And one other chart note is Fleet Fox's album doing pretty well since it's at number 31, the Helplessness Blues album. New in stores this week, Steve Cropper has a new album called Dedicated. He's the longtime guitar player from Booker T and the MGs. The new album is a tribute to the R&B doo-wop act of five royales and boasts guests like B.B. King, Steve Winwood, Lucinda Williams, Betty LeVette, and even Sharon Jones. Dom has a new EP called Family of Love on Astroworks. Gucci Mane and Waka Flocka Flame with a new album, as well as The Mercies, featuring a couple members of Deer Hunter. They have a new album called 3,000 Days. The first single is called Animals. Kanye West and Jay-Z's highly anticipated new album is out later on this week, featuring Bruno Mars and Beyonce. The album is called Watch the Throne. And another album is out from the Fours. It's called Skying. British band have certainly softened their sound with a slicker new album. We're going to check out a track right now. This is called Still Life here on Music Hits. Music news for music lovers. Bill DeVille, this is Music Heads. It's now time to check out who's to become the next big thing with our co-music director, Melanie Walker. Mel, what do you got for us today? Today, I have a group from Gothenburg, Sweden called Little Dragon that just knocks me off my feet, Bill. It cruise around and lots of water I really, really love this group, and I feel like this is going to be the big year for them. Why do you feel that way? Well, they've been around for like 15 years. They've been wow, around that, a long That long? I thought they were a relatively new band. I guess I was wrong. They huh? kind of are a new band, really, because they weren't really recording for s- several years, but yeah. they, they're old high school buddies. Okay. You know, they all love music. They're big music nerds. They like old jazz and old um, school hip-hop and funk and stuff. And so they got together in high school and started fiddling around together, and eventually found their sound and several years later um, released a single called Twice Mm -hmm. which um, you know it was just a single back in in 2006 but it eventually got them a featured spot on Grey's Anatomy which you know that's yeah song placements are everything these days it's golden for Mm -hmm. a band to be able to be on one of those big television shows and get their song featured on there was it the blue night gone fragile was it a boat Steady gone under Was it the light waves So frightening Was it a two wheels 
So after that, they soon signed to Peace Frog Records, which is a, a British indie label um, who also features Jose Gonzalez, right. uh, another Swedish musician that they're mm-hmm. friends with. And they released a self-titled album, which, you know, it did fairly well. But it wasn't until their next album called Machine Dreams, which came out just a few years ago in 2009, that they really got a, quite a bit of acclaim. A lot of people in the music industry started to become fans of them. Word got out about them. They, they've worked with Coop, which is another Swedish duo that put out an album called Waltz for Coop that um, Yukimi, the lead singer, did vocals on. And they've also worked with uh, Gorillaz. Dame, ah, <laughs> Dame, that was the weirdest song on the album, too, I think. Wasn't yeah, it? it was called Empire Ants. Yeah, yeah. It was on the, the last Gorillaz album, Plastic Beach. And actually, it was Damon Albarn's wife who turned him on to Little Dragon and most notably to Yukimi's vocals. So yeah, they did, worked with did that. Did they work with uh, Raphael Sadiq, too? They did work with Raphael Sadiq on their most recent record. Raphael's a big fan of theirs. Um, I read a, a quote... Um, uh, where he mentioned that Little Dragon puts him in a creative mood wow. and he always keeps their music on during recording as inspiration. They, they also worked with uh, Dave Sitek from TV on the radio. Uh, they opened for TV on the radio mm-hmm. and Dave Sitek was so enamored by them that he ended up asking Little Dragon to uh, do a feature on a track on his side project called Maximum Balloon that recently came out. They did a track called If You Return on that record. So you see, Bill, they've got all these friends in big places yeah, yeah. and they're not, I don't think they're necessarily movers and shakers trying to like shake hands and kiss babies and climb to the top. I think it's just that people are finally discovering this little gem from Sweden and are really becoming big fans of them. Spin Magazine's been naming them as one of the best albums of the year so far in 2011. They've played all the big, huge uh, music festivals. They did um, The Roots Picnic in Philadelphia. They did Denmark's Rockslide Festival. They did Glastonbury over in the UK. I mean, the word is out this band is finally hitting yeah. their stride and and finally finding their fan base what do they what do they sound like and they sound they're I mean they're a mix of a lot of different things they they have jazz tendencies they they're kind of chill in moments like that track twice that they really got big from is a very mm-hmm. down tempo chill mellow track but this new record ritual union that they put out that just came out this last July is a lot more dancey it's um it's bleepy it's bloopy it's got elements of techno and sure. how and lots of different things. They definitely have a dance element, an electronic element, but with lots of blues and soul and funk kind of mixed into it. And Yukimi, her vocal style is so charming and she's so captivating as a performer that um, she kind of brings it all together. They could just be another electronic group, but she really has so much flavor and so much style that she really, she puts her stamp on on their sound. But Little Dragon actually is is her name. She got the reputation in the studio for being kind of a, a little bit of a diva. Uh. Oh, there's and, a name in there somewhere. <laughs> and actually, and actually, um, she'd she'd have little fits in the studio every once in a while and get frustrated easily. So they started calling her Little Dragon. I and suppose soon, she's a rather slight woman too, huh? She's very, yeah. She's a very being, you know, from Japanese yeah. descent. She's not a tall woman, that's for sure. So she's she's a little thing. She definitely lives up to her name. She's dragon when she gets up on stage. She's got so much fire and fury in here, and, and it all comes out. It's really fantastic to watch. Thanks for dropping by. It's Music Heads on 89.3 The Current and Melanie Walker is here. What song should we listen to, Mel? You know, there's a number of tracks that I like on this album, and they all have such different styles and different elements that make them special. But I think it's the title track for their latest Ritual Union that's really the standout track on this album. And here it is on Music Head. Ritual
This is MusicHead's music news for music lovers. Time now for the guest list, where some of our favorite artists drop by and tell us what they've been listening to lately. This week, we're joined by Heather McIntyre of the band Mount Mariah. Congrats on the new album. I really like it. It's one of those albums that kind of caught me on a very first listen. Thank you. So what have you been listening to lately? Imagine you're a big fan of old school country, and imagine you get asked about Dolly Parton a lot. Mm. Have you been asked that before? I never get tired of it, though. (laughs) (laughs) I have front row tickets to see her uh, the day after we get back. Really? Now, how did you swing a deal like that? She gave you the tickets? Oh, no. (laughs) No, I bought them. They were very expensive. (laughs) Yeah. No. So you are are a fan of Dolly Parton? Oh, yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's really cool, because your voice has this kind of similar... Similar thing. Sounds like the really old Dolly Parton back in the 50s and 60s more so than the more present. That's my favorite of her stuff, the Porter Wagner era. Yeah, and the Code of Many Colors Mm -hmm. and and Jolene and some of those. Imagine those are big ones for you. Mm -hmm, Sure. Yeah, well, you you got good taste. What other other country music do you like? Are you fans of, you know, classic country? Yes. Yeah, yeah, pretty much only classic country, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, Um, I hear you. I love Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson. Yeah, that stuff never goes out of style, does it? That's right. From the you know very intimate sort of recordings of some of these guys to the really full Nashville sound. Yeah. It's hard to live in the South and not at least like country music mm-hmm. on some level, you know? It's, yeah. It surrounds you. Well, thanks so much for coming in. Let's go ahead and check out a classic country track from Dolly Parton. It's Jolene here on Music Heads. Time now for the music meeting. I want to welcome Mary Lucia and Steve Seal to Music Heads. How you doing, Mary? Hello, Dibble. Hello there, Bill. Nice to have you here. The Vaccines are a new band from the UK. The band's debut is called What Do You Expect from the Vaccines? It's kind of amazing how quick this band has uh, gained a buzz in the UK these days. They've made quite a splash, and they only formed just last year. The Vaccines have drawn comparisons to bands like the Ramones, the Strokes, and are often compared to the Jesus and Mary Chain. What Do You Expect from the Vaccines reached number four in the British charts and boasts six tracks that were released as singles. What Do You Expect from the Vaccines is a nicely paced and varied album full of punk, new wave, and Brit pop, full of hooks and melodies delivered by the band singer Justin Young. Looch, do you believe the hype? Is this working for you? I, You know what? I do believe the hype, Bill. It's uh, amazing because they were one of the most hyped bands at this year's South by Southwest, mm-hmm. and I was so excited to go see them, and I hadn't heard the full length at that point, but I was at least familiar with their sound, and saying that they sound like the Jesus and Mary Chain is right on. It's that huge saturation of sort of reverb guitars and vocals, and yeah. yet there is a pop sensibility and a rock sensibility to it as well. 
So they were a fantastic live band, um, seeing them in Austin, Texas this spring. And they, they did live up to the hype because they've got the swagger. And mm-hmm. every once in a while, you need a little swagger on right stage. On. It works. Yeah. Any songs catch your ear right out of the gate? You know, quite a few, actually. But uh, Blow It Up, I think, is is a really a high point on this record. Yeah, I thought that one was uh, was one of the, it's kind of an edgy rocker kind of uh, album highlight, I thought. It was a great chorus, majestic a guitar solo. I thought mm-hmm. that was really good. Steve, how about you? Is the album working for you? Yeah, it is actually. Uh, it's funny because I didn't really have uh, terribly high expectations for yeah, this record I didn't because know you know because I thought the the the, the song that we we had been playing post breakup sex is a clever song, but it's not the one which is really going to have longevity for me uh, because yeah, that one kind of came and went with us. Didn't yeah, it? well, we it sort of did with me and, at least. Know? I mean, sure, the chord progression is, is sort of timeless. It's got that four chord kind of fifties. They list like girl groups as one of their influences, and you can sort of hear that in the kind of the song structure, yeah, the, especially the, in that the one. Spectre production. Right, too, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the lyrics are a bit too cute on that for me, even though it's like, oh, that's kind of a clever and original thing to build a song around. Mm-hmm. I still thought that's going to have a short shelf life for me because there are other songs that are, that are just so much stronger, like, you know, Mary mentioned Blow It Up. I, I love that one. I also love If You Wanna. Yeah. I think that's a terrific song. Yeah, that was kind of a smoking number, and uh, that's the one that I heard, you know, the Jesus and Rain Chain all over that track. Well, I don't wanna wake up in the morning, but I've got You know, I thought this was a super strong album when I got through it. I wanted to slap it right in and do it all over again. I mean, that says a lot about a yeah, record. Yeah, I did, I did too. I, I just got to say that 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 it's you know, blow it up and if you wanna made me feel like I was watching MTV circa 1987 in a really good way. I had heard not just Jesus and Mary Chain, but bands like Muddy Lemon Drops and like the the yeah, would, the, the three o'clock. Yeah. You know, it was like they, they talk about uh, you know the the whole uh, C87 being thing kind of you know that being sort of an influence of theirs and. That that's a sort of complicated to explain, but sort of short what, what term. Is, what is C87? It was named after a cassette that was really <laughs> popular. That was that was like you know was put out in the mid '80s. That that had bands like the the Lightning Seeds and things on it. I, I totally hear that the Mighty Lemon Drops kind of thing in there, and that's that's a cool thing. I think they really <laughs> nail yeah. that. The thing about the Lemon Drops though is that they they couldn't deliver it live. They were just guys who stared at their shoes, the shoegazers. They or they that. had their back to the audience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but these guys apparently not. You know, that's mm-hmm. just it. 
second, when you start talking about shoegaze, you just throw that term out immediately. You just think of My Bloody Valentine, where it's not a terrific live show to mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. And that's where these guys definitely shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so, too. And they'll be uh, I saw they're going to be touring with uh, with our local sensations, Howler. Which is amazing. And they're already over in the uh, in Europe and they're apparently being received really, really well. That's super cool. And this is all kind of this whole new movement. This kind of, they call it what grit pop? Is ever heard I've heard that kind of banding oh, around? Oh Lord. <laughs> I know. There's all these subgenres. <laughs> Dear God, really, help really us. Hard to, hard to keep up on. But yeah, I thought this album was loaded and uh, you'd be hard pressed to find a hard, a bad song on the album. Yeah, it's black jeans rock. Mm-hmm. I like that. There you go. Thanks for joining me. Thank Mary. you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. It's Mr. Seal. And this is a track called Wetsuit. It's got a really nice catchy hook to it. It reminds me of maybe the verb just a little bit. And here it is on Music Heads. listening to Music Heads, music news for music lovers. It's time now for The Essentials, where we let you know what records are must-have to any Music Heads collection. Joining me is our program director, Jim McGuinn. Hey, Bill. What do you want to talk about today? What's your pick? You know, this is tough, because uh, I was asked to, to, to be on this uh, feature, and there's so many great records that I would have recommended to people over the years, but one that popped into my mind, and I can't believe it's been 20 years now, is Matthew Sweet's record, Girlfriend. That's a this, good pick. This is a classic bunch of gritty power pop songs. And there was just something about the, the way this record felt at that moment. The lyrics had this real emotional kind of quality and the music had this rawness to it that uh, I never heard in his earlier solo records. Mm-hmm. Just sounded like a guy or a band with nothing to lose or everything to lose. And they just sort of uh, went for it. And I'd had a couple of friends in college that had played with Matthew and had turned me on to his earlier stuff. And it never quite clicked, but once Girlfriend came, it's just, it's one of those records that's always near my CD player at all times. So we have a fellow here, Jim, on the line who might just know a little bit about this album. Should, okay. should we put him on? Sure. It's Matthew Sweet. Matthew! Hey, <laughs> How are you, sir? Good. How are you? Good. So tell us about this album, Girlfriend. Does it stand the test of time with you as well, being, you know, the guy who originally wrote all these songs and, and made this album? Well, you know, it's so weird. I'm really one of these people, like, I make a record and then I just, like, don't listen to it mm-hmm. afterwards. Like, I kind of get myself psyched up about it at the time, and then I sort of let go so I don't have to keep thinking, was it, is it really good or not? Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of goes in the past. When we realized it was going to be 20 years, I really sort of said, should I be doing, like, shows where I play, like, the album? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been kind of and, the popular thing these days, isn't it? Well, though? it sort of seemed like it would mm-hmm. make sense to do. So we haven't started doing that yet, but I did one acoustic show here in Los Angeles at a place called McCabe's where we played the whole album, like, start to finish acoustically with a kind of a small combo. So what I'm leading up to is I've been having to think about it more and having to kind of relearn that that stuff, which in turn makes me think about that time more than I kind of ever would have probably, you know. Mm -hmm. It was a a special sort of feeling and time for me. Um, I'd made a couple records. I'd never really 
thought about being successful or that I needed to be because <laughs> yeah. I just mainly cared about going in the studio and making music. The idea that people would like my music was just always kind of far from my mind. There was a big change. Uh, I had split up with my wife. I got married really young, and we separated, and I started playing uh, live drums in, like, the house I was renting. And that really led to sort of more the vibe (laughs) of Girlfriend, and it opened up my eyes to the really organic thing with a lot of great singer-songwriters that I just had, I knew were great, but maybe I hadn't fully immersed in people like Neil Young and, you know, even like John Lennon and people like that. Once I started playing these bad, real drums, I had been programming, you know, for three or four years, five years before that, trying to make the drums I programmed seem real. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, then I wasn't good at playing drums, but it gave it this totally different vibe. And my manager still to this day, Russell Carter, I remember said, oh, it reminds me of Neil Young. And I was like, yeah, I know I have like a weird high voice. And he was like, no, like the vibe of the records. And he really turned me on to like, everybody knows this is nowhere and harvest and all that stuff, which we listened to um, when we were making Girlfriend, along with Velvet Underground records and Birds records and Beatles records. In for a surprise, I let my love flow from my heart into your eyes, and then I found out that there was nothing I could know or guess about you. It goes far as you could go, and it took me years to figure out. How did you ever put together a cast like the people you have on, on this record, like Robert Quine and Richard Lloyd and legendary pedal steel player Greg Lees and, and even Lloyd Cole, who you actually played with yourself at one time, didn't you? Well, Lloyd and, Lloyd and Fred and I were good friends mm-hmm. just kind of socially, and we we I played on some of Lloyd's records and toured with him some. Uh, in fact, I toured in Europe and England with him right before we made Girlfriend, like in the few months before we made it. So we were all kind of friends, and I'd never had that really where I had this group of friends who were sort of musicians that were encouraging, like to me, you know. Yeah. And they were really encouraging, and so that helped a lot. Lloyd especially was also really, uh, really encouraged me. I remember he heard the demo of Girlfriend and was into that even before Russell became convinced it could be on the radio or something. So we really kind of had a lot of fun doing it, chasing after these sort of ideals of having it be really dry and plain, but also you know, really cool stuff on it. And as far as getting all the people together, so it was sort of natural. Like Fred knew Robert Quine from them playing with Lou Reed together. And Richard, I met through playing with the Golden Palominos, Mm -hmm. Richard Lloyd from television. So I knew Richard and asked him to play on it. Fred knew Bob and thought we would really hit it off, which we did. Bob kind of brought more of the Birdsy influence. He really turned me on to the Birds beyond kind of, I, I knew their sound was, I dug, you know what I mean? But right, right. He, he turned me on to more depth of the birds and 
some really cool records of theirs, so that was a big influence. Everybody kind of had this positive thing going on, and it was, you know, it wasn't at a huge fancy studio. We were at this small studio called Axis, and but we had kind of the run of our room. So it just came together that way. It wasn't a grand plan where I said, I want to get these guys. I mean, I knew those records. I had Richard Hell and the Voidoids, and I had television and loved them. And it was cool to me to have, like, wow, a guy from television or, yeah, or yeah. you know, Quine, um, the Voidoids. But it wasn't really thought out in advance as cool as it was to me. I didn't have this grand idea, like, those guys will be perfect for my stuff, other than... They were guys I met, and they were there at the time, you know. I don't know where I'm gonna live. I don't know if I'll find a place. I'd have to think about it some. That I do not wish to face. Well, it was the biggest record for you in your career and a big breakthrough. It sold, what, gold, almost platinum, something like that? Yeah, I think at this point it's, it's thought to be up toward platinum. Yeah. It, it sold really a ton of records even afterwards. I also got a gold record for 100% Fun, and that one's kind of the same. I think it, 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 it's up there. So I think between Altered Beast and those records, Altered Beast is probably gold now. But between those three records, I guess it was, you know, a couple million records. Yeah. So, so Matthew... Is, you know, if that was now, I'd be number one of the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> it's it's funny how the game is changing. Like it's, that's how few records sell now. Yeah. So, Matthew, there, there's a whole bunch of songs on, on here. Is there any that uh, are near and dear to you? I mean, my favorite from the, for the album has always been Girlfriend, because, well, mainly because it's a great pop song and there's those big guitars all over it. But do you have a song that's your favorite from the album? Wow, that's hard because I think of it sort of together. I hate picking favorites. Yeah. But there are things... I always really like You Don't Love Me. I love the pedal steel on that. Yeah, that's nice. And Greg um, Lees, you can't find a better player than that. Yeah, and you know, that was kind of by accident. I was at a... I was friends with Jules Shear, the songwriter, mm -hmm. singer-songwriter who's amazing. I went to see a show of his down at the Knitting Factory in New York, and Greg was also a friend of Jules. Had played with him back in L.A. I was like, "You play the pedal steel," <laughs> and I was really into like the Graham Parsons record. Right. Mm -hmm. So I thought, "Oh, I can have him play pedal steel." But it was really by accident I met him. But then he and I are still really good friends. He lives out here. Cause you don't love me. You don't love me. Also, uh, one of the other things about this record is that uh, I think you turned uh, a whole generation of young American boys onto uh, the Japanese anime animation. Well, you know, my, my now wife and I, at, uh, back at that time, we kind of would go to this comic book store. We lived outside of Princeton, New Jersey, in this ancient house. 
and we uh, would go uh, to the comic book store and kind of look for things that were sort of like uh, Japanese, like the things we saw that looked the most exotic and kind of cool to us were from there. And we went to a couple of conventions in New York where we found, you know, bootleg VHS tapes of some of the actual animation. And we just kind of collected, you know, posters and tapes of some of this stuff, and it was like this weird hobby of ours. It was interesting because it was so foreign. It seemed kind of psychedelic and trippy and futuristic to me, and I really just dug the style of it. Plus, it was had a whole different kind of role in society in Japan. Even adults had their, their sort of anime and, and stuff, and just there were no sort of boundaries. There was all kinds of, from really heartfelt stories from like Miyazaki, a guy who's sort of like Disney of Japan, to really uh, filthy pornographic kind of <laughs> stuff. And we were just kind of amazed by the whole scene of it. So I tried to, you know, put something besides myself that I would like in my videos uh, once we had to make them. And so we used uh, something from Space Adventure Cobra, it was called, um, in the Girlfriend video. I love this clip where the girl comes out of the pool. So a uh, kind of spacey, space age thing about it. I wasn't that comfortable about being in the videos, you know, but uh, I guess I got through it. Well, Matthew, it's really been nice chatting with you about the album, and you have a new album on the way called Modern Art, which is due September 13th. This has been The Essentials. I want to thank Jim McGuinn and yeah. Matthew Sweet for joining me today. Let's listen to a track from Matthew Sweet. Here's the title track from his classic 91 album, Girlfriend, here on Music Hats. Music news for music lovers. I want to love somebody. been Music Cats from 89.3 The Current and Minnesota Public Radio. I want to thank my colleagues, Jill Riley, Melanie Walker, Mary Lucia, Steve Seal, and Jim McGuinn for joining me today. Props to Heather and Jenks from Mount Moriah for sharing some of the music they love with us. And special thanks to executive producer Melanie Walker and Derek Stevens for helping to make this show happen. Thank you for joining me. And we'll wrap up this week's show with a sneak peek from Beirut, the group led by Zach Condon of a new album called Riptide. It's due in late August and sees Condon and the band heading in a more pop direction. Here is music from Beirut with the first single from the new album. This is called East Harlem. East Harlem.